one of two things here. <laughs> Either there's like... 10 to 12 dirty tissues now in circulation <laughs> right. upstairs, or there's just one spoon that's <laughs> that made its way back into the. Also it's one or 12. So, what did you do? Nothing, nothing. We talked about it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Coming up on 613, you know those cooking shows on TV? Not the nice ones where they're like sharing recipes and prep tips and stuff. Don't you love how they have everything pre-measured on those? Yeah, right? It's all dish just of that. perfect. Yeah, just nice throw this quick. in there, throw yeah. that in there. It looks Very really nice. relaxing cooking that way, right? Mm-hmm. right. They have all the tools, and beautiful kitchens. Instead of you bumping into your spouse. <laughs> Sorry, nope, you go ahead. Right, Everything right dirty. <laughs> Looks like a crazy kitchen in my house. Reality TV contest shows you know, where people are trying and failing and then getting yelled at and stuff like that. You're right to wonder, of course, how scripted or conversely how real those shows may actually be. Some local insight this morning. Milwaukee chef Adam Pollock tells WTMJ's Libby Collins what actually goes on behind the scenes. He was on the show Super Chef Grudge Match. First time you met Chef Ramsay, explain that experience and what it was like for you personally. Sure. So on the show, if you remember, they had everyone come to his actual restaurant in Las Vegas, and we were all standing there. We turned around, and he was standing there. So that was technically like the very first time I saw him. Like, wow, that's him. And just seeing him and the excitement and just like the energy that he brings is like, I think they even show my face when I turn around, and it's just like all smiles because it's like we're here. It's real now. Nothing feels real until you turn around and he's there on set. You never know with him. In the first two minutes, of me and him. he could have had us cooking or something did you like everybody who was on that season uh, absolutely not that's an easy question <laughs> i mean how, how soon did you know, you know oh you're like, not my kind of person yeah i mean it can happen pretty quick you know people can say something or do something that really rubs you the wrong way and these are random strangers the show isn't meet your next 17 best friends you know you're in a cooking competition and you got to be a team player and you got to get along with people but that never works you can hear the entire conversation with chef adam including stories he's not heretofore publicly shared. That is Sunday at 11 on WTMJ Conversations. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Green Bay Packers wrapped up their organized team activities on Thursday. Jordan Love, the Packers' new starting quarterback, is taking this practice time to not only work on the play on the field, but also his role off the field. For the most part, I like to talk to guys after every play. You know, if it's a, a good play, bad play, I like to go talk to them, see what they saw, see what I saw, kind of just get on the same page with them. But I think it just comes down to building that connection. The more I can you know, come together, talk to each other, um, and build that bond, the better. So we're all learning together. I never want to, you know, go at a player and attack them for maybe messing up, especially the young guys right now. I mean, I know we all know there's going to be mistakes. It's not going to be perfect. Um, but the more we can kind of mesh and come together and just build that chemistry together, it's Good. Speaking of play on the field, Love admits with OTAs wrapping up, he's not exactly where he wants to be, not yet at least. Yeah, no, I'm working through that right now um, with the balls right now, but there's a couple tight wobblers out there. Um, and, you know, it's never, as a quarterback, it's never fun to see the ball, you know, kind of not spinning exactly how you want to. So, uh, you know, just working through that. To the diamond where Gunnar Henderson hit a two-run homer in the eighth inning and the Orioles come back to beat the Brewers by a final of 6-3 to three on Thursday afternoon. The Brewers' homestand continues over at American Family Field with the Oakland A's in town to begin a three-game series tonight. Our coverage begins right here on WTMJ at 6.05. Adrian Hauser is expected to get the start. 
From the diamond to the ice where the Florida Panthers entered Thursday night down two games to none against the Vegas Knights in the Stanley Cup Finals. The Panthers entered the third period down a goal, but as they have all season, the eight-seeded underdogs found a way to win in overtime. Bennett, cross ice, shot, His second this season. The Panthers win game three. With the 3-2-1, it is the Panthers' first ever win in the Stanley Cup final. Former President Trump indicted when we expect to see him in court. That story next. I hear the train a-coming. It's rolling around a bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. 6.22 on this Friday morning, Wisconsin's morning news. Eric already looking ahead anxiously to next week. What is Tuesday going to look like? Oh, my gosh. So he has five days to plan for this spectacle on Tuesday when the former president will be in a Miami federal courthouse facing an indictment that will be unsealed and he has it to show up, right? Circus. He has to show Absolutely. up. He is compelled he to, to appear yes. in court. All right, so let's get to it. It happened last night. Indicted now for the second time. I'm innocent, and we will prove that very, very soundly and hopefully very quickly. Former President Trump taking to social media, declaring his innocence. This is in the wake of his second historic indictment. This one related to a federal classified documents investigation, a federal indictment. Last year, the FBI seized more than 100 documents with classified markings from Mar-a-Lago, along with 43 empty folders with classified banners after Trump failed to comply with a subpoena to return the records. Trump has claimed he declassified any material he took from the White House. Sources say the indictment is expected to be a speaking indictment, meaning the government will lay out its case to the public in the Southern District of Florida, a venue known for its fast-moving proceedings. Yeah, so they, they're not going to mess around when they get down there. Rick Klein has more on what this is. We're talking about very serious charges in multiple directions and an all-encompassing investigation that really run the gamut of the retention of the documents as well as uh, attempts to obstruct efforts to, uh, alleged attempts to try to obstruct efforts to, to get them back, uh, lying to people along the way about it. So here's the, the key comment from Rick Klein on ABC. Federal prosecutors rarely miss when they take swings this big. And this is entirely different if you want to compare the cases to the civil trial that played out in New York City. In their worst, or the other indictment, even. But go right. Ahead. In their worst case scenario for the former president was he was going to lose that and it was going to cost mm-hmm. him a bunch of money. They weren't criminal charges. He ultimately did lose that case. And what was it? Some five million dollars. Yes. But, you know. In terms of the president's future, doesn't really affect him, right? And this, well, it's a, you're right. That, that last case, I yes, mean. right. This uh, one, this entirely one could different. potentially, yeah. And this one is also different than the hush money case involving the porn star Stormy Daniels. We talk a lot about, well, there was the New York case also. I really do believe that case becomes secondary to this case. This one becomes much more significant. It becomes a much more overwhelming one. And this is where politics and law intersect. So this is Dan Abrams talking there. So here we go. So this is all going to happen on Tuesday, and they are ready for this. This is not Manhattan. This is Miami, Florida. This is the Rocket Docket Federal Courthouse. Um, We know that the marshals have been down there prepping for this, knowing this was a possibility. Yeah, so they know that there's going to be people down there, usually... We've seen in the past when something like this has happened, <laughs> when an indictment has been filed, uh, the former president has had crowds of supporters show up and line the streets. Obviously, a little bit friendlier environment 
in Florida than it is in New York or in Washington, D.C. So how will that look on Tuesday? We have a Secret Service and a federal law enforcement apparatus that now has has practiced this. Before two months ago, there had never been a former president ever indicted and charged with felonies in the history of the country. And now it's the second time in a couple of months. So the Secret Service knows what they're going to do. The marshals know what they're going to do. So as of now, if he goes to trial, he would then face a jury in Florida, which certainly you would assume would be more hospitable than, say, a jury anywhere else. So in that regard, they're happy, you could argue, the Trump team is that this is happening in Florida rather than in Washington, D.C. The feds generally like to do these cases where the actual alleged crime occurred, so that's why they're going to be in the Miami federal courthouse. Uh, But like you heard ABC's Rick Klein say earlier, when it's usually a case this big, they know they can hit it out, meaning the prosecutors are very confident. They're aware of the stakes. Yes, that they can make this stick. So in terms of timeline, Eric, how long does it take for all of this to play out? I mean, one cut from ABC earlier that they were saying, like, this could get appealed all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. These things take time and we're, boy, I mean. What, eight months out from some of the first primaries and caucuses Mm -hmm. in the presidential election cycle of 24? And we do know that some of the Stormy Daniel Hush money stuff will take place next year during the cycle. I think next, I want to say March. I'm kind of pulling that from the back of my brain. But what will that mean for the campaign, that one versus this one? We're still six, seven months away from the start of the primary process, two and a half months away from the beginning of the debate season. No decisions and no choices have been made. I'm not buying for one second that he's politically bulletproof just because he survived scandals before. This may be different, or it may be that the weight of all of this is different. Or maybe not at all. (laughs) Maybe everything will be the same. He'll campaign as normal. He is definitely leaning into this indictment. He's not shying away from it, going all in and taking it on and taking advantage of it. And there will be a segment of Trump supporters, if not all of them, who, you know, I mean, actually, after he lost that lawsuit in New York, his poll numbers went up. So yeah. there will be that and factor as well. Too, of it, yeah. But right, the, the possibility of a conviction still looms that could, that certainly, if you will, trumps public opinion. on Wisconsin's Morning News this Friday morning. I mean, not that the issue isn't also important, but also it's worth talking about just because the comment was so good. One of my favorite things to do (laughs) is to roll on public hearings, whether it's in Milwaukee or in the suburbs, if I can get them. I just love to record just the commentary. The things that you never see unless you're actually testifying before yeah. some sort of governmental body or actually you know, attend one of these things. But most people don't. Right. Maybe one or two people show up, you know, unless it's a big issue. And there are some big issues. Well, so yesterday, this was interesting. The Public Safety and Health Committee meeting took place at City Hall in Milwaukee. And they talked about the number of city workers that now have left the city. Remember that? The whole residency thing. Big battle. Ten years ago. So this doesn't include MPS. But they say that about 3,000 workers have left, and half of those 3,000 are police and firefighters. Mark Burkowski, one of the aldermen on that committee. The 11th Aldermanic District, which takes the greatest hit, and I'm personally I'm disappointed and I'm embarrassed. 
I've lost 200 firefighters. I've lost 300 police officers. And Borkowski frustrated because he's got a very safe district. He says, if you look at the numbers, we've got a phenomenal district, aldermanic district here, and all these guys are leaving. And he couldn't understand it. And he, he provided this story. I want to play this for you. It's about maybe a minute long. A story about a neighbor of his who shocked him by moving out. There was one antidote of a new officer who actually lived in my neighborhood, who I actually helped a couple of times, uh, and I'd actually been over to his house. I didn't realize he was a police officer, um, but I helped him in a couple of different things, and my amazingness, if that's a word, when I saw the for sale sign on his lawn, pecued me to stop, literally to go to his house to ask the question, are you moving? You know, the for sale sign is there. And he said, yes. And I said, why? He says, it's not, this is not a safe neighborhood. And I said, you're a police officer. <laughs> That wasn't enough. But still moved. Well, that was one of the concerns when they were debating that was Mayor Tom Barrett at the time predicted an exodus. And the counter argument was, well, if people are only living here because you're forcing them to live here, it's not really something you put on the brochure for Markey's sure. a great place. Right. So make the city better. Make them not want to leave. And now the numbers bear out the, the mayor's pr prediction, nonetheless, to, to the chagrin of Alderman Borkowski. Why? Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to play the rest. <laughs> and I said, you're a police officer. There we go. Brandon Snide's got sports coming up next. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do your dirty work. ESPN Milwaukee's Gabe Neitzel in the house with us this morning. You know, we have a communal kitchen here at Good Karma Brands. And Gabe... Gabe may have witnessed something along with me that it's, it's not a good outcome. You know, we, we have an issue here with dirty dishes. There, yes. there are some that will pile up. We have a sink in this lower level where our studios are. That piles up. I don't know the people who put those in there. I've debated just sitting there for a day and just yelling at people. Because like when you put it in the sink, what do you think is going to happen? Right. You think your mom's wandering down and she's going to clean up after you? <laughs> she like, doesn't what are work we doing here? here? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> we don't have she a doesn't staff. come in at 830. Yeah, like right. somebody that you work with, your coworker is going to have to take it upstairs. So we do have two dishwashers and there is from time to time you know confusion about when they're clean and when they're dirty and we have advocated for and been denied the little mag we have this at my house the yeah. magnet that says clean dirty right mm -hmm. just yeah. so people know because someone will there's no there's no assigned no one has the assigned duty of running the dishwasher. There are no, just some nice teammates who do it for yes, us. Yes, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a podcast I listen to, uh, No Laying Up, where they always say, use your best judgment and don't be a scumbag. I feel like that's, yes. the, that's the standard we use for emptying the dishwasher. If you use one of the communal dishes, then put it in the dishwasher. Yep. If the dishwasher looks full, run the dishwasher. Yeah. I've done it. You've done it. I've yep. watched you do it. You and I have unloaded the dishwasher Together. when it's clean. Yeah. Yes. Teamwork it's makes nice. the dream work. Thanks, guys. For so, here's, yeah. so here's the problem. I don't use hardly any dishes, but for occasionally a fork, and every day I have my little your yogurt, yogurt up your there yogurt with your my spoon. spoon. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's not gogurt. You need the spoon. I you do. need the utensil. So I go over by the dishwashers. I open the one. There are a few cups on top and virtually no dishes on the bottom. 
So I throw my spoon in, plenty of room. That's presumed that somebody's already emptied it for the day and yes. now new dirty dishes are going mm-hmm. in. Okay, sure. Okay, so fine, all good. I walk away. What's the problem here? Well, we have our meeting then and we do some talking. And then as I'm going back down the stairs and I'm looking over to the kitchen area, I see another one of our teammates there. Emptying the dishwasher. Unloading that dishwasher. <laughs> Apparently the dish... Well, one of two... <laughs> one of two things here. Either, Either there's like 10 to 12 dirty dishes now in circulation <laughs> right. upstairs, or there's just one spoon that's <laughs> that made its way back into the... That also it's got, one or 12. So what did you do? Nothing. Nothing. We talked about it on the radio. <laughs> what am I, what, what what am I to do? <laughs> What else do you expect oh, wait, to happen? Wait, wait, wait. That spoon is dirty. Too late. That's no, what ship you and do. sail. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Never eating from a spoon here ever so again. Just, I always pull off the bottom just in case. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a pro tip. <laughs> Got to dig through. Like when you're reaching for the back for the freshest milk, use that same strategy when it comes to selecting spoons in the kitchen. <laughs> right. You asked what did I do? You know what I did? I told Gabe. <laughs> He's sitting right there. I'm like, look at what's happening right now. He's like, yes. So yeah, hey, like, and I was excited for a second because, again, like a lot of times people will try to avoid sure unloading the Being dishwasher the yeah, if I it's it. you know. So he's like, oh hey, oh man, someone else is unloading the dishwasher. Cool. No, Here's no, the it's not cool that. this time. Somewhere in that is a dirty spoon from me. <laughs> uh, could be worse for you. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Could it? Hey, it's while we have you. Can I ask you some sports stuff? Yeah, go for we it. This announcement that the Big Ten in 2024 for the football schedule mm-hmm. is going to abandon the whole East-West division thing. Didn't they used to have stupid names? Uh, legends and leaders. Yeah, when, they, right. when they first went to the divisions, <laughs> it was legends and leaders because they wanted to balance it out, and it wasn't geographical, so they went legends and leaders, which was really stupid. Which was lame. But then yeah. it was East-West. Yeah, that, which made sense. Now they're going to abandon that, and you play who you play, and your schedule can change. You can play anybody from any region, but for the rivalry games, I think for Wisconsin, we'll always play Minnesota, yep. and we'll always play Iowa. Yes. Right? Yeah, they've got the rivalry games there, and, and you're going to play uh, everybody twice, so you play home and home with everybody in a four-year span. So they're trying to make it as fair as possible, but they just I think they also want to make that Big Ten championship game always must-see. So it's always the two top teams in the division, or excuse me, in the conference. So you might get Ohio State-Michigan in back-to-back yeah. weeks, but you know who's not going to mind that? Fox. Like you as a Badger fan may be really upset, but the people who are providing you with all this money, they're not going to be very upset. Well, you said they wanted to make it fair as possible. I liked it slightly less fair. Because it was really awesome yeah. for, right. for the Patriots. Because the Patriots were in the bad division. Right. All the good teams were in the other one. Granted, we were fighting for the opportunity to get boat raced in the in the championship game. Correct. But, but yes. you know, at least you had the chance to go there. You know, we tried. AmFam Championship teeing off today. Like 9.20 are the earliest tee teams. 9.20, 9.30 for mm-hmm. the Champions Tour in the PGA. Uh, yeah. I mean, do you think that's a little late for the old guys? Well, I just thought, like, if you're going to start somebody early, because if you're at a PG like a big PGA tournament. Tea times are six something a.m. Oh right? yeah, they're they're going off right now up in Canada. Yeah, on the so PGA tour, tour. My thought was if these are the old dudes, are isn't their clock usually more on the early? <laughs> they want to play early. <laughs> Nine twenty. They want to be the afternoon. They want to be sweeping. You know, they want to be out there with the first cut. You know, the the first lawnmower is going <laughs> out. They want to be chasing him for the entire right. eighteen. Some guy goes off at noon. He's like, I'm not going to get back till late at night. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, dinner. that's 4 o'clock. Yeah, right. that's past dinner. I'm going to miss the early bird. <laughs> 6.57. Thank you, Gabe. Business headlines are up next. Here's the Milwaukee Business Journal's Sari Lesk. Mama Bev's Bakery eyes a nationwide profile as the business negotiates a merger with a New York-based bakery. The business makes St. Louis butter cakes. 
The first beers brewed on a three-barrel pilot system at American Family Field have been tapped. The beverages are lead-off lager and double-play IPA. And Kohl's CEO Tom Kingsbury says the company leaned too heavily into active and casual under a prior strategy. The department store chain is now pushing harder on dresses, suits, and dress shirts as workers return to an office setting. I'm Sari Lesk with Milwaukee, businessjournal.com, on News Radio WTMJ.